0: workers come forward and present the Owan Awards tonight.
1: We have some awards for our Sparks tonight. We're going to start off with Tate Smith. Tate is earning a red jewel and her gold crown. She learned 10 Bible verses. And Janie Daggett is earning a red jewel. She learned 6 Bible verses. And Courtney Kennedy is also earning a red jewel for learning 6 verses. We're the chums. for the third and fourth grade girls, and I have two girls that are getting awards tonight. Megan Reed is getting four silver arrowheads for completing four sections, one for missions, patriotism, environment and health, and service. Megan is also getting um, a gold torch award for completing her Bible drill four, and also her first book award. She finished her first book. This is Jordan Spence and she's getting three awards tonight. She is getting um, also two Silver Arrowhead Awards for service in environment and health. And um, for this month we have kids who earn points for doing sections, bringing kids and coming to Sunday school and all kinds of different things. And um, Jordan earned over 17,000 points in the month of January so she's our chum of the month.
2: We're the Pals, the young men from the third and fourth grade, and tonight I'd like to uh, give a feather patch to Charlie Webb for attending Sunday school every Sunday with two or fewer absences from June through November. (laughs) This is Zach Seals. He also gets a feather patch, plus he gets a bronze arrowhead for being in club every Wednesday night up through uh, november i believe that's right I I only missed one or less time <laughs> i'd also like to make mention of the fact that uh, all of our older clubs the uh, chums guards pals and pioneers are all working very hard to get ready for bible quizzing which starts was going to be this february 12th at uh, oakdale baptist church so let's let's help our uh, all of our older kids to get prepared for all this uh, Bible that they're involved with. Thanks a lot.
0: Let's let rushers come forward to receive our offering, and it thrills me to hear about these kids memorizing scriptures. The Bible talks about hiding the Word of God in your heart, and it's a blessing to see them. I was thinking about little Zachary here. I remember when he was just a few weeks old going to Vanderbilt Hospital when he had to have heart surgery, and uh, seeing them come along, what a blessing. Our teenagers, I was thinking about them the other day, boy, they're really growing up. And then it dawned on me, it's the style of shoes they're wearing these days, amen. <laughs> hey, jump three or four inches in one time, amen. But uh, I'm proud of all of our kids and all of you that work with our kids. Let's pray now, and you give in the offering. Father, we thank you now for the privilege you've been able to give to you and to give as an act of our worship. Thank you, Lord, for our children, for our young people, for those who have dedicated their life to Work with them. Bless them in a very special way. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: When there were short hours years of living
4: Tonight, it's all because of God's amazing grace. We can experience that peace tonight. Amazing grace. How sweet to sound. We're going to let the choir come down as they do. Get out, folks. Shake hands. Find those visitors tonight. Let them know you appreciate them being here. Your handshake may make the difference of coming back again. Amazing grace.
0: you may be seated as you know tonight we're observing the Lord's Supper and and I want to just say a word about uh, the Lord's Supper. This is a very 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 special time. And I enjoy observing the Lord's Supper. And there've been several reasons for that. I think uh, in my early years I didn't realize the significance of it and the churches that I grew up in rarely did they do it once a year, twice a year, whatever. So It was not emphasized, but as the years passed and as I began to study the Scriptures more, began to realize the significance of the Lord's Supper, the importance of it, and what we've tried to do here is to make it important to you. That's why the Lord's Supper is more than just a little tag to the end of a service like so many do. We make a service out of it, and it's very, very special. And, And again, it's special to me. I love to take the Lord's Supper. And I remember it's a little over a year ago. Brother Tom Hayes, of course, he's with us every year, and he's like one of us. Uh, we were in London, and we were attending Westminster Chapel, Westminster Chapel on Sunday morning, and together. And uh, we had the privilege of taking communion there. It's a very special thing because Westminster Chapel was where G. Campbell Morgan pastored for, for so many years. My favorite Bible teacher. He was followed by J.H. Jowett, and I love his writings. And then Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was there uh, recently, or until he went home to be at the Lord. Just a very special place, and we got to observe the Lord's Supper. But I noticed it was particularly moving to Brother Tom that day. And after uh, service, uh, we went through and had him take us, let us see certain things and stuff like that. And then we went out to eat, and we got to talking about it. And uh, Brother Tom, I never thought about this, but Brother Tom said, You know... That's the first time in about 15 years I've had the privilege of taking communion. And I said, why is that? He said, nobody has communion when you have revival. And I had never thought about that way. And it was special. And it endured communion to my heart even more to think of the privilege I have to do this and whatever. And I want to say this. I've had the privilege of taking communion many, many times through the years. And as I mentioned, Westminster Westminster Chapel, that was a very special place to take communion because of who had served there uh, not much of a testimony or anything there now it just drifted off to the left and different things but yet knowing who had been there through the years and of course we had the privilege of taking communion at Wesley's Chapel where John Wesley pastor the church he started pastor for a number of years until his death but I don't know of any place in the world that I enjoy taking communion than right here and because I we try to make it a special time so I want you to realize tonight how special communion is but I also want you to realize how serious communion is the biography I've been reading this week is on Charles Simeon Charles Simeon pastor of the Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge uh, England for 54 years and uh, he went there in his 20s nobody wanted him to go he was an Anglican Church of England they appointed him there when he went there uh, nobody wanted him to come in fact, the main people of the church, they would not come, and they had the type pews where you locked them up and whatever. You bought them, paid for them, and you would lock them the little doors on the side. So uh, they wanted someone else, and so what they did, the Church of England appointed Charles Simeon there as the pastor, and they let him preach in the morning. But in the afternoon, uh, the other preacher that the folks wanted, they came in the afternoon to hear him. But what they did was they locked the pews up in the morning, and so nobody could use them. But Charles Simeon went there, and they wouldn't come to hear him. But he's put chairs in the aisles, and soon they had all the aisles filled and the vestibule filled and different things like that. But the Lord really moved in that, and he was there for 54 years. But as I have been reading his biography this week, I was fascinated by the fact that he got saved on Easter Sunday. That's special to me because I got saved on Easter Sunday. But Charles Simeon got saved because when he went to Cambridge as a student, he went to King's College in Cambridge, uh, they sent him a note saying that on such and such a day, which would be Easter Sunday, you will take communion. Charles Simeon never taken communion, but he had a respect. He grew up in a minister's home and different things, and he had such a holy respect for it that uh, he had about three weeks prior to it, and it was such an overwhelming thought to him that he would take communion that he went out and bought certain books and began to read them and study them and so searched his heart and, and uh, so took it, took it so serious that it led to the conversion of Charles Simeon uh, on that Sunday. And I think as we approach it today and tonight, I think we ought to approach it not only as a special time, but as a serious time. And it's serious because it is the one thing the Lord has given to us. Not the one thing, but one of the things the Lord has given to us to make us remember. You remember I preached a couple of weeks ago from 1 Corinthians 11 and we talked about it how that the Lord has instituted the Lord's Supper in his church to make us remember. He doesn't want us to forget. The Lord knows we're human. He knows that we tend to forget things and so he established it that every local church would observe communion as often as they could and the purpose was so they would not forget the cost of their salvation and the fact that we are redeemed through the death of jesus christ so that's why we have the lord's supper that's why we stop all the normal things that we do and we set aside everything and for a few moments we pause to remember and so i want you to remember tonight and think about what it means to be a child of god i talked about a wonderful discovery this morning it is a wonderful discovery to know the lord but i want you to realize tonight and think about what it cost for me and you to be able to say that we are the sons of God I want our deacons to come and I want our men to come prepare the table as they do so I think we have a trio or someone that's going to come and sing a special so I want them to come as the men take their places as we get ready to observe the Lord's Supper Lord
5: in this quiet time I come to
0: Thank you, Rhonda. What a great song to sing to remind us of what we owe to him for what he's done for us. There are two symbols the Lord gave us in the Lord's Supper. One of them is the bread. And I think of the scripture in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three and 24. For I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. When we take the bread, we remember that God became flesh. Jesus said, you take and eat of this bread, which is my body. It was not necessarily meaning that it was his body or that it literally became his body when we take it, but it (coughs) symbolized his body and what is meant by his body. That is that God stepped out of eternity, out of heaven, came to this earth, that God became flesh. There's a couple reasons I think about God becoming flesh. One, sin demanded that He come to this earth. Every one of us were hopeless sinners. We were born in sin. And if God hadn't intervened in history, every one of us would have died in our sins and went to hell, that we couldn't have done enough to save ourselves. we couldn't have been good enough to save ourselves. We were sinners. We were hopeless, dead in trespasses and sin. Our sin demanded God come to this earth, but love directed God coming to this earth. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The fact that God would step out of eternity into history is an expression of His love. Philippians 2 is a marvelous passage. And I think a man could spend the rest of his life studying that passage there where God uh, clothed himself and how that he descended or to come to this earth and spend the rest of his life studying that passage and never fully understand the depths of it. How that Jesus Christ existed in one form but he took upon himself another form. And he laid aside the form that he had known in all of eternity and robed himself in flesh, taken upon himself the form of a servant, and become in the likeness of men. That's a marvelous thought. And it was all directed by his love, demanded by our sin. So tonight as you take the bread, I want you to remember, and I want you to reflect, and I want you to rejoice that God loved you enough that he would become man. So as the men come, we'll serve the bread and we can have the other special. Our fathers, we come to tonight. We want to thank you for what this little piece of bread represents. Oh, the mystery of godliness. The Word of God said that God would become flesh. How amazing! How astounding that you would come among us and become one of us. How undeserving. But Lord, we realize that if you had not become one of us, then we would have had no hope of eternal life. There would have been no way for us to be saved. There had to be someone, Lord, that was not guilty. There had to be someone that had not sinned to represent those who had sinned. So you came to this earth, born of a virgin, thereby you didn't take upon yourself the human nature of man in the sense you were born into sin. But you were the sinless one. Even in your birth, you assumed human likeness that you might be the one to step into our place and to take our place. It was the only way. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that you became flesh. Thank you for the body that Hebrews talks about that you prepared for Jesus Christ. And so tonight as we take this bread, we do so in remembrance of your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Me take the bread. The second symbol that you have in the Lord's Supper, of course, is what we often refer to as the wine, the fruit of the vine. And as you know, the wine or the juice or the fruit of the vine that we use is symbolic of the blood of Jesus. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five, or Paul quoted Jesus, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus gave us this symbol so that we would never forget that not only had God taken a body, but the cost of our salvation and what it meant. See, our salvation is free to every one of us. We don't have to pay a thing. We don't have to do a thing except except Christ. But I want, you to, I want you to be reminded tonight that it is not free. When we take the wine tonight, it is symbolic of the agonizing death that Jesus Christ died. I, don't think, it's beyond, I think it's beyond our ability, especially in this generation, to even begin to comprehend what it was like for a man to be crucified. Historians tell, tell us there was no more agonizing death than to be crucified. It was the worst. It was the ultimate crime for a sin. In our day, the ultimate crime is the taking of life through lethal injection or something like that. And even in our day, as we take life for crimes we've done, we are even more and more becoming humane in doing so. But in those days, the ultimate penalty for a crime was to be crucified, and there was no mercy. It was an agonizing way to die. Sometimes those, it was a slow way to die, therefore prolonging the agony. So as we take the blood tonight or take the wine tonight, it is in remembrance of the blood that he shed. But not only do we remember the cruel death that he died, but the substitutionary death. But the bottom line is this. I should have went to hell. I ought to be in hell tonight. And you should have went to hell. But somebody took our place. And that's what we mean when we talk about the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, that he took my place and your place on Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for one of us in this room. We often sing that song, when I was, he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And when Jesus died on the cross, every one of us was on his mind. He was bearing my sin, bearing your sin, bearing the sin of the world. It was a substitutionary death. So as we take the wine tonight, we remember the cost of our salvation. I'll ask the men to come as they sing another special for us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pray. Our Father, as we come to you, Lord, we're able to say tonight that our sins are gone. Lord, we're able to look up to you and know that every sin of the past, even the present, and even the future, they are covered and cleansed by your blood. And Lord, we come tonight to thank you for the joy of knowing that our sins have been atoned for. We're no longer an enemy of God, but we've been brought into fe- to a fellowship with you, into a relationship with you. The condemnation is gone. We've been delivered from wrath to come all because of the blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you for loving is enough to go through what you went through. Thank you for loving enough Loving is enough to bear our sins. Thank you for loving is enough to bear our hell. Thank you for loving is enough to die in our stead. So as we take this tonight, the symbol of your shed blood, we do so with eternally grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the wine. Rick, I don't know... What song you've got picked? But would you look up uh, "When I Survey the Wondrous Cross"? And we're going to do a stanza of this in closing in just a moment. I read somebody's comment and someone's uh, opinion about this great song. It was written back in the middle 1700s by Isaac Watts. It's been here two, going three hundred years. But someone said it was probably the most perfect song that have been written and I have to agree when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died it's a great song I want you to stand and I want us to sing it in closing tonight in gratitude for what Jesus has done and after we sing a stanza of this great hymn then you're dismissed but let's sing it tonight in gratitude for what Jesus Christ Done. When I survey the wondrous cross, what page is it written? 224. If you don't know it, get your hymn book. It's a great hymn. It's one of the hymns of our faith. This is a hymn that every believer ought to know. Let's sing it together. When I survey the wondrous cross.
4: We and I survey the